0: hey thanks for checking out this week's message we hope you're blessed by the word of god for more information on river of life you can check out our website rolmt.com or download our app just search rolmt in your app store thanks last weekend i told you that for many of us when we start talking about things like emotions or feelings a lot of times, some of us, we shy away from that. We don't want to deal with that. We don't want to talk about it. I said that, that for many of us as men growing up, we were told that those aren't for us. We're not supposed to have those things. And I think that there's, there has been a pendulum uh, swing in our, in our country and in our culture. And now we've moved from men not having feelings to sometimes having too many feelings, Right? <laughs> We got safe spaces and everything for men now, and, and that's not, I think, there's, I think there's a happy medium where we begin to understand, and we, and we talked a little bit last weekend about how Jesus was one that he expressed emotion, he showed that he had feelings, he, he expressed those things, and so we know that they're okay, but I want to talk to us about the heart for just a few moments before we jump in to this uh, weekend's emotion, but the heart is important, and processing things, at our feelings in a healthy way is necessary, yeah, if you go to the doctor and you're having a struggle, a lot of times what they'll say to you is, hey, you need to watch what you're intaking because it's affecting your health. Well, for us, as we talk about feelings and emotions, we also need to watch what we're taking in because it has an effect on our heart. Luke chapter six, verse 45 says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So what is it that you're pouring in? What is it that you're allowing inside of you? What is it that you're intaking? Because what you intake is what will come out of you. So if if your intake of God's word is only when you hear the bald guy preach, it's not enough. If If the amount of worship and time you spend meditating on God and who God is, is only when the worship team is up here or I'm preaching, if that's it, but yet throughout the rest of the week you're intaking all kinds of other nonsense, can I tell you, you will fill yourself with garbage and out will come garbage. If you fill up with comedies that are full of crude jokes or you binge watch horror movies or your choice of music uh, promotes reckless behavior, you're going to fill yourself up with stuff that is not actually beneficial in your walk with God. You're going to allow yourself to be poured into with all of this stuff and so out of the abundance of your heart is what will come out of your mouth. Jesus said that For from uh, the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. It just passes right through you. And so what you intake, you need to understand. It's the same if you're talking about food. As you get older, you will learn this if you're not already there. There are certain foods that will affect you in negative ways. Okay. I love popcorn. I absolutely love popcorn popcorn does not love me right it upsets my stomach at times not all the time but but can I tell you I still love it so I still eat it quite regularly but I know and my wife will go are you sure you want to eat that and I'm like yeah I'm absolutely sure I want to eat it (laughs) and I just suffer the consequences of it right it but for us, what we need to realize is we have choices in our lives. We can allow ourselves to take things in. And as we take them in, we are making a decision about who, what is going to end up coming out of our mouth. If we continue to allow ourselves, and again, last week we talked about loneliness was the emotion that we talked about, and as we talked about that, I said, as you're choosing friends, as you're choosing those who are going to be closest to you, you need to find people in your life that are positive, that are good for you. You need to find the people in your life that are going to point you to Jesus, Not point you away, not make you negative. Well, as we look at this, we need to realize that we have choices inside of our lives. And as we make decisions, we need to realize that what we intake is what will eventually come out. So we can say, oh, I'm fine. It's okay. None of that. I've had people say, oh, it doesn't matter that I watch all of that because it doesn't really affect me. It does affect you. Jesus said, what you take in is what will come out. And so we need to be careful with that. Today I want to take just a moment because I think that for many of us, uh, if we were going to talk about an emotion that maybe we struggle with, and, and so whether you say it this way, whether it's guilt or shame, I think this is something that many of us struggle with. I talk to believers all the time who will often pull themselves back from things because they feel this weight of guilt or shame. In fact, even last weekend as we we came to a time at the end of one of our gatherings and we were praying for people, I had somebody come up that I had never met before and out of the middle of that, he began to share with me his past and the mistakes that he had made and basically this shame that he felt from it. And it was this amazing moment where I was able to say, man, I know that tonight you just raised your hand and you accepted Christ in your life and so that stuff's been removed from you. It's not part of you anymore. And so for us to be able to walk through life without having the weight of this guilt and this shame, when we, when we feel guilt, it's this message that is in our heart and it's, it, it says that we owe something. When you walk through a season where you feel guilty for something, it's because there's part of you that feels like, man, I messed up, I made a mistake, and now I owe. And, and many times we don't know how to even deal with that. Consider the man who runs off with another woman and abandons his family. Without realizing it at the time, he has stolen something from every member of his family. He robbed his wife of her future and potentially her financial security of her reputation as a wife. From his children's perspective, this man has stolen Christmas traditions, uh, emotional and financial security, dinners with the family, and so on. And now, this man who did it Thinks in terms, not of what has been taken. Initially, he thinks of terms, in terms of what has been gained. But the first time his little girl asks, why do you not love mommy anymore? He begins to feel this guilt and he feels, I owe something. The power of guilt started at the garden. We see it. We see that Adam and Eve disobey. And so when God is, is calling for them, what do they do? They hide in shame. They feel guilt. They feel as though we've done something, we've disobeyed, and so now we owe. Nothing less than paying the debt will relieve a guilty heart of its burden of guilt. People try to work it off, serve it off, give it off, and even pray it off. But no amount of good deeds, community service, or charitable giving, or even church attendance will relieve you of guilt. It's a debt, and it must be paid or canceled for a guilty heart to experience true freeness from it. And if you don't find relief, it will change you, it will make you believe that you were never to be made whole. So many people who have accepted Christ, so many people who have started to walk out their faith journey, many of which will turn from their faith journey because of just this topic, because of guilt, because of shame. Because it's hard for us to wrap our minds around how can God forgive me for the things that I've done? How can I actually be truly free from the mess that I once created? We start making decisions based on what will make us temporarily happy instead of because we feel like, well, we're never going to have this weight lifted from us. So I might as well start chasing things that will bring me at least a temporary sense of happiness. So how do we get your guilt canceled? First John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession has the power to break the cycle of sin. But like most medical remedies, if you were to go to the doctor and say, hey, I've got this pain or I've got this thing that I'm struggling with, they will give you a a, a diagnosis. But then with the diagnosis, they'll give you a a way for for you to to find healing. And with that, you've got to follow their prescription, right? You don't get to just go, okay, thanks for the information. I'm going to just move on with it. You've got to actually do what they say. If you've ever had a physical ailment and been given a prescription, Usually comes with instructions. So you go to the pharmacy to go pick up that little bottle of pills or whatever it is, and the pharmacist will say, Do you have you taken these before? Do you know how to take them? And often it'll be you take one pill in the morning, one pill at night, or whatever, and take them with food. You don't just take the pills and put them in your pocket and then it starts fixing things, right? Or you don't just go out, get in your car, and down all of the pills. You gotta follow the instructions. So The prescription is to confess our sins, not just to God, but to the people that we've sinned against. Why is that important? Unattended guilt results in repeat repeat offending. Many times we walk our our life out in our faith journey, and we've gotten to a place where we just say, oh yeah, I'm sorry for that. But yet the, the person who we've hurt, or maybe again, last weekend we talked about having people in your life that you trust. So maybe those are the people that you go and you sit and you go, hey, I'm gonna be vulnerable for a minute because I've been struggling in this area of my life. I've been allowing these things to creep in and I've slowly begun to compromise in these different ways. And I've, I've asked God for forgiveness, but I also want some accountability. Some of you are like, man, the fair is sounding better and better all the time. <laughs> Guilty people are usually repeat offenders. And as long as you're carrying a secret, as long as you're trying to ease your conscience by telling God how sorry you are, you're setting yourself up to repeat the past. Secrets brought to light lose their power. Secrets brought to light lose their power. That is why you start confessing your sin to the people that you've sinned against, and odds are you're not going to go back and commit those same sins again. If you, if you speak it, if you say it out loud, if you say, hey, I did this and I'm sorry, you don't want to be in that position again. Yeah. So the next time you're tempted, you're very more likely to say, I'm not doing that because I know that there's a consequence to it and I don't want to face that consequence. Secret, secrets can, uh, keep our hearts in turmoil, So we need to confess both to God and to others and then you will slay the enemy of your heart. And the other thing is secrets often lead to more secrets and more bad behavior which leads to more guilt and the cycle continues. We often will ask God to forgive us our sin and then we do the same thing the next day. I heard it said that before long, our confession habit supports our sin habit. Our confession habit supports our sin habit. Why is that? Because if all we have to do is say, hey God, I did it again, sorry. Then the next time, there's, there's no weight to that for us. It's, it doesn't really cost us anything. So then when we find ourselves tempted to do that again, all we, we just go, well, it's fine because I can say sorry again. Imagine having somebody in your life that continually hurt you, that continually did things purposefully to hurt you, and then they just flippantly, hey, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, right? Sorry means what? To repent means we, we, we turn from it. We don't do it anymore, right? Confession should be a step towards changing, not a quick pill to release guilt, Whew, I thought that was better than that. Let's say it again. Confession should be a step toward changing, not a quick pill to release guilt. See, that was better. Thank you. I appreciate that. Imagine having a friend who stole from you or put you down publicly, humiliated you, and then once a week they sat down, you sat down with them, and they, in general terms, just said, yeah, sorry, yeah, I did it again, oops, right? At some point, you got to go, I don't really believe that you are sorry. Because if you're sorry, you'll stop doing it. That's insulting and it's damaging. So how do we break the cycle? How can we experience abundant life? And how can we come to a place where we remove those things that are clogging our heart, that are stopping us from experience the fullness of God's love and grace inside of our life. We love, I love to talk, I love preaching about grace. I, 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 it's amazing to me how good God's grace is towards us. If, you, if you're here and we give the opportunity for you to accept Christ, you will often hear me say, listen, God, your past is in the past and, and he'll forgive you and he'll remove it from you as far as the east is from the west. And that is all true. But with that, we're saying, I'm going to follow you. And when we follow Jesus, then there should be this thing where a lot of the stuff begins to drop off of us. A lot of the things that, we, that once defined us begin to, to, to change because we are putting our hope and our trust in him and we're allowing him to be the one that, that drives us and moves us forward. If we were honest, we confess to make ourselves feel better about what we've done oftentimes. If confession to God fixed everything, then what about the scenario where, again, you punch someone and then you pray for forgiveness? It doesn't stop the person's nose from being broken or bleeding, right? There are consequences to what we do. If we can just do whatever we want and then say, God, sorry, then we're actually the ones in charge and God is following us and we're not following him. The way we interpret confession is like having a tooth in need of a root canal and we just keep taking Tylenol for it, right? It might take the edge off. It might make you feel a little bit better, but it will only, it will only work for so long. If you've ever been in a situation where you've had something where there was severe pain and the doctor's saying, hey, we need to do surgery or we need, to, we need to get in there and we need to remove that tooth or whatever it is, you know that you can sit and you can take Tylenol and maybe it'll make it so that you can sleep at night or you can rest a little bit or it takes the, the, har- the harshness of it off, but it doesn't actually fix anything. Yeah. When Jesus comes into our life and he forgives us of our sin, it's not so that we can just pop Tylenol and take the edge off It's so that things change inside of us, which means we start moving towards him and out of that we start looking more and more like him. We keep confessing the same thing and repeating them because we have not dealt with the problem, so the guilt is still there. Confession in the dictionary says... A formal statement admitting that one is guilty of a crime, or number two is an admission or an acknowledgement that one has done something that one is ashamed or embarrassed about. I think the problem with the modern church today is we're actually often not ashamed or embarrassed about the sin that we're doing. We're actually okay with it. We know that his word says it's not okay, so we confess it. But the reality is we're okay. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation where you've been in a, in a church service or a camp meeting or something, and, and you begin to feel the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you about things in your life that you know you need to be releasing. Things that you're doing that, that you know, oh man, that, that isn't lining up with who Jesus says that I am. And so in that moment, you begin to, and you're going to, I'll guarantee you that on Thursday, if you come to Let Us Worship, you're going to see people Many of which who maybe will come having no intention, maybe even coming to protest what's going on. I have no idea. He goes all over the world and you don't know what you're gonna see. But, but one of the things that is almost at every time that, that they do these worship times is you will see people come up and, and they will begin to lay things on the, on the altar like drugs and alcohol and whatever. They'll, they'll just begin to lay things out there. Why? Because God's doing something in somebody's heart and they're beginning to realize that, hey, that doesn't line up with who Jesus says that I am. Yeah. But for those of us, those of us who've been in the church for a long time, sometimes we've been in that situation where we feel the Holy Spirit begin to speak to us and say, hey, you need to release these things. You need to let them go. And, and maybe we're in a position where we're like, yeah, that's probably true. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray right now and say, God, will you forgive me? And I'm going to start moving in that. But I'm not going to get rid of that stuff quite yet just in case this doesn't stick. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Because you're like, well, we'll see, right? It's not a we'll see. It's a a confession, but it's also a turning. Like we're to turn from that. We're not to stay in it. We're not to keep doing the same thing over and over again. The reality is for many of us, when, when the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us about a sin that's in our lives, we don't want to release it because we feel like we're going to be missing out on something. But how many of you know when the creator of the universe says, I want you to let something go, it's only because he's got something better. God doesn't take without giving. God doesn't remove without, without, without stepping into your story and making it actually better than it was when you, when you asked him in. Numbers chapter five, verse five says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, men or women, betray the Lord by doing wrong to another person, they are guilty. They must confess their sin and make full restitution for what they have done, adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wronged. So what if when we wronged somebody, we had to repay it with interest. What would that look like? When you hurt somebody, when you spoke poorly of someone, when you did, instead of just saying, hey, sorry, or just even less than, hey, God, sorry that I did that. Sorry that I gossiped about that person. Sorry that I hurt that person's reputation. Now you go to the person and said, hey, actually, I was talking about you behind your back and I apologize for that. I'm sorry that I did that. And to make it up to you what can I do? How can I make that up to you? right? And now there's a, re- can I tell you, it's, you're gonna think twice the next time you gossip, right? Because there's actually a restitution to it. There's, there's something that you have to do that actually makes it harder. John the Baptist didn't just call for people to seek forgiveness, but he told them to repent, to, to change, Mark chapter one, verse four. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached That people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sin and turned to God to be forgiven. There's something about that turning to God. It's not just praying a prayer, and now we've got. That's that's what's so dangerous is we can get to a place where we feel like, well, if I pray that prayer, I can go live however I want, and I'm good. I'm I'm telling you right now, when when we give the opportunity for you to pray a prayer and accept Christ in your life, we are not offering you hell insurance right? Because if that was the case, then I don't know why we would even do church. Because right. we could just do crusades and get you all to pray the prayer and you're all good. You can all go to heaven, right? But it's about the turn. It's about turning from being who we were to looking like Jesus, to following Jesus. Why, why do we say making Jesus famous? Because we want people to understand that there is a hope that they don't maybe know about. That there is this thing that happens and, and when we confess and we, we call on the name of the Lord and we begin to walk this thing out and we begin to put our hope and our trust in him, then all of a sudden what happens is we turn and things begin to change and they actually get better. But the church has to believe that and understand it. Yeah. Because for many of us, we think we're doing God a big favor by letting some of our sin go. No, he did you the favor by giving you away that your sin is no longer attached to you. And out of that, not only that, the goodness of God is this. It's so incredible if you really think about it. The goodness of God is he says, listen, I've made a way, I'll forgive you of your sin, but I also have, I have abundance of life for you. He's not like, hey, I've paid for it, so now you're gonna pay for it for the rest of your life. You're gonna pay me back by just living a life that's, that, that sucks, Right? No, he says, I have abundance of life for you. So when you turn towards him, the enemy is so good at lying though because he makes us think, well, if I give up this stuff, my life is gonna be less than. No, you hold on to that stuff and your life will be less than. By releasing it, actually, you begin to see what God has for you. Going back to this just for a moment, Zacchaeus did, uh, Zacchaeus, this man that Jesus comes across while he's in the middle of his ministry. Zacchaeus is a guy that was a traitor to his people. He was a tax collector. He was collecting money for Rome and, and, and charging people that, that were his people way more because he got a cut of it. And so he was just this, this guy that was not good, and he finds himself in this position where, where Jesus is walking along and he wants to see him. And, and, and Jesus says, Come down. And, and he basically says, Listen, you got to make things right. So instead of even the 20% Zacchaeus, we see that Zacchaeus gives four times what he had taken to the people he had taken it from. How many of you know the next time Zacchaeus would have thought, Hey, you know what? I'm going to go back to doing that again. That would have stuck in his mind. There's something about restitution. Luke chapter 19, verse 8 says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and I have cheated people on their taxes. I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. So Jesus in this moment says, not only are you saying sorry, Zacchaeus could have like got down from the tree and said, hey guys, I've done you wrong, sorry, my bad, right? But he goes, no, no, something has changed in me so much that I'm gonna gonna make up for what I've done. I'm so grateful that we don't have to, like if I had to make up for every wrong thing I've ever done, I wouldn't be able to do it. But there is something about saying, you know what, I'm going I'm to put things in my life that are stopgaps to keep me from going back to the same thing, to going backwards to a place where I've just gotten to a place where it's just easy to say, oh yeah, sorry God, sorry about that, right? No, make it so that we, we come to a place where we understand God wants your heart and he wants you to turn. James chapter 5 verse 15 Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So look at this for a moment. James is telling us, don't just confess to God, confess to each other. This goes back to a little bit of what we talked about last week. Have people in your life that you know, hey, I've been struggling in this area. We've got, we've got people that, uh, Shannon and I have got people in our lives that will come and, and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this and, and I'm going to be honest with you and I'm going to be real and I don't have to do this, but there's something about being able to confess it. We, have, we need to have those people in our lives that we can call and say, hey, listen, this is an area that I'm having a hard time. And when we do that, all of a sudden, when we realize, hey, there's going to be there's gonna be maybe an embarrassing moment or a a moment where where we show some vulnerability because I'm not just saying a quick prayer to God, but I'm also confessing it to somebody in my life that I trust. Now, all of a sudden, that person can hold you accountable. They can ask you, how are you doing? They can check in on you. And you, now, the likelihood of you repeating that sin again becomes less and less the more vulnerable you are and the more able you are to confess it. It's part of your healing. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer the sacrifice to God. It's interesting because we see this throughout Scripture, where it isn't just Let's do a simple prayer, but it's so important, and again, we've talked about this over the last few months, about the idea of of uniting the church, uniting us as believers, uniting us and putting us in a position where when we've, we've sinned against somebody, it's so important, they say, hey, if you're bringing a sacrifice, that's great, but before you do it, if you realize that there's some problem, some issue that you have with somebody else, go and take care of that before you bring your sacrifice. For many of us, we, we need to hear that today because we, we, again, we make it just this simple little thing. Restoration removes guilt. You want to know what takes away guilt? It's restoration. It's coming to a place of saying, not only am I sorry, but I want to restore this relationship. I want to restore what I've broken. I want to put things back together even though I've been the one that's hurt them. Guilt will lose its foothold in your life if you'll take this into advisement. When we only confess secretly, it is most likely because we plan on repeating the same offense. Some of you are like, woo, this is a tough (laughs) one. But God's desire is to step into the lives of his children and to offer compassion and forgiveness where there has only been failure and guilt. His desire is to pick us up. Even after we've made a mess, he wants to comfort you. While at the same time, he wants to empower you to live differently. It's this amazing gift that we often take too lightly. The fact that God so loved the world that he sent his son to die on a cross so that you and I can have a relationship with him. But he didn't just stop there. He said, not only that, I want abundance. I I don't want just life. I want them to have abundant life. I want greatness for them. He's a dad that says, man, I, I want great things for my kids. But some of us, we get so locked into trying to keep one foot in this world and one foot in heaven, and we miss out because it's miserable all the way around. But to come to a place and say, God, help me to look more like you. When I blow it, Lord, help me not only to ask you for forgiveness, but help me to go to those who I've hurt and ask them for forgiveness as well. And help me to turn. Help me to change. Help me to look like you. Man, if we would do that, it changes everything. Because the way we live our lives out there then looks different we can come in here we can celebrate together how good God is and what he's done in our lives but until we show it out there by the fact that we live differently we'll never experience true revival we'll never see this city changed we'll never see our world transformed because the transformation starts here when this transforms then all of a sudden now that that spreads, and people begin to wonder what is different. I don't know about you, but I, I'm ready. I want God to do what God needs to do. Yeah. Amen. I want to see Him move. And I want to see the chains of familiar sins broken. Because some of you have just become so familiar with your sin that you think you'll never get past it. That's not the God that we serve, He's bigger. He's stronger. He's better. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes with me. Just a few moments after we spend a little bit of time in worship, the garage door is gonna roll up. We're gonna have a great time of just having a meal together. And I just wanna encourage all of you to stay. If you're worried about it being uncomfortable, don't, don't do that. Just stay. It's gonna be great. But I still wanna take a moment right now And first of all, I want to ask this question. If you're in the house today or you're watching online or you're joining us in Star Valley, would you just be honest and maybe you'd say, "I, I don't, I haven't had a relationship with Jesus or maybe you have in the past, but you haven't really been following him. But today, you know, I want that. I want to follow him. I want to experience that abundance of life that you've been talking about. I'm not gonna have you stand up or come forward or anything like that. I just would love the opportunity to pray with you before we leave this place today. So if that's you, would you do me a favor and just lift up your hand and catch my eye? I wanna pray with you before we leave. Is there anybody like that? Yeah, thank you for your honesty. Yeah, I see you back there. Thank you. Is there anybody else that would just say, Jason, will you remember me in this closing prayer? I just wanna make my relationship right with God before we leave. Yeah, thanks, man. One more moment. Is there anybody else? For those of you in Star Valley, if you'll just look at Zeb, he's going to pray with you as well. I want to take a moment right now. There were multiple people that raised their hand, and I just want to pray. I'm going I'm to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the room, just repeat this prayer with me. It's this amazing moment of forgiveness. It's this amazing moment of saying yes to Jesus. It's saying, yes, I want to follow him. But it's also a moment where tonight, I hope that you'll understand, this is a moment where we begin to turn away from what the world says is important and we begin to turn towards what Jesus knows is important for your life. So let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you have plans for me. So today I'm making the decision to follow you. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to want more of you. I want to turn from my sinful ways. And I want to be who you've called me to be. Help me to walk in your abundance of life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I wanna thank those of you who raised your hand and are honest about that. I wanna take a moment right now as the worship team is gonna lead us in just a little bit more worship before we move on with what's next. I really, really believe that there are many people who are participating with us today who in all honesty you'd say, there are things in my life that have been there for a long time. Sins, struggles, Some of you have become so accustomed and so used to them that you feel like there's no way you'll ever be without them. And today is a day where you can say, God, I am trusting you with this area of my life. And my, my, my ask of you today is this, is that you would come to a place, again, of confessing it, of handing it, but then also trusting to find somebody in your life that you can say, this is what God did. This is what he showed me. These are the areas. This is the thing I need to work on. And I'm I'm letting it go today. For some of you, you are struggling with pornography. And today's your day. You feel like, man, I don't know that I can ever get to the other side of it. Today's your day to release it. For some of you, you struggle with always wanting to be the one that brings the news. You're the gossip. You struggle with it. And you know it. You know that your your words have caused dissension. You've caused problems for other people. And today is your day where you go, nope, I'm changing. I'm turning. Whatever it is that you're struggling with, you're going to hand it over. And then you're going to not only confess it to God, but you're going to find somebody in your life that you can confess it to. And you can say, I'm asking you to hold me accountable. There's something powerful about that. I want to pray over you. We're going to worship together. The altars are open. The prayer teams are here. They'd love to pray with you. Whether it's about this or anything, they'd love to pray with you. Let's just pray right now. God, we thank you so much. That Father God, you have, you have paid the price for our guilt and our shame. It's already been bought. So God, I pray that as we lean in and trust you and trust your word, that God, we would be a people that don't continue down the same path, doing the same thing over and over and over again. But that, God, our heart would change. That, Lord Jesus, you'd heal us right where we are. That, God, we would come to trust you and we would turn. Lord, make us different. Make us look more like you. We thank you, Father, for all that you do. We thank you for those who accepted you tonight for the first time. And I pray, God, that you would bless them, that you would help them to, to grow closer to you, that they would fall madly in love with you. God, we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand as we worship? The altars are open. Hey, thanks for listening. River of Life is a ministry in East Missoula, Montana. We exist for one purpose, to make Jesus famous by showing his love to the lost, broken, and hurting. For more information, you can check us out online at ROLMT.com. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we'd love to talk to you about what comes next. Shoot us an email at nextstepatrolont.com. Thanks.